Hey guys, and welcome back to Talking with Shadows, the conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Whateley. And Mark Christie. And guys, we got a special treat for you guys today. Joining us in the studio today, we have Lillian Fitz from Knock Once for Yes. Thank you guys so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks, Thanks for having, for having us, us on. Absolutely. Uh, Lil and Fitz have been doing a, a paranormal podcast for, I believe, the last four or five years. Oh, feels that long. Yeah, I think, yeah, it, I think, it, was like, it, was like, I think it was October 2016 was when your guys' first episode from that Knock sounds Once about right. Out, right. Yep. So you guys ended up starting about the same time we did. We did. Not, oh, it seems like a long time ago we last spoke. <laughs> I, I, I know. We, we, I think we have both come a very long uh, way from when we both started uh, from started doing these podcasts. I'm not and sure. I thought I'd still be to... doing it this this many years <laughs> on, to be honest. And for those of you guys who don't realize, like a long, long time ago, uh, Knock Once for Yes had us on for an interview, and we had a great time. Yeah, we were nobodies then, and they were super nice to bring us on to their uh, podcast, so we were super appreciative of that. Oh, we loved that interview. Yeah, it was really good. We really enjoyed it. We've been like watching all of your videos since then as well. Yep. Oh, my God. oh goodness. Oh my gosh, we're Knock Once for Yes, cool. <laughs> I think we uh, crossed that off our dream list. It is. That's, that's awesome. So yeah, so uh, we want to get right into this interview, and and something I always love to ask any paranormal investigators, and and whenever I get a chance to, what what got you guys initially into the paranormal? Like what what what, was, what would you say would be your guys' was moment? Oh, at which stage of life? I think is the question to that. So, uh, Fitz, do you want to go first with your childhood I, experience? Yeah, I kind of grew up with it, really. Um... I've had some really weird ones. The, the you young, have. <laughs> yeah, the, it kind of started off, I think, and bear in mind that I had to be told half of this story by my mother because I was so young that even I don't remember most of this. But uh, when I was a kid, we went on this sort of caravan holiday with another couple. And um, throughout, you know, uh, I don't know if you call them something else in uh, the States. I think it's travel trailers. But yeah, basically you sort of tow it behind your car and go on holiday in a field somewhere. And uh, um, I think I think here in the states, I think my mom's, uh, my grandfather uh, changed a bus, like a school bus, and then went camping in it. Yeah, basically that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, very cramped space. And uh, the the my mum and the lady from the other couple get kept getting their bottom pinched, and in the sort of close confines of these caravans, they just assumed that it was their husbands mucking about. Um, but myself and the other couple's child were like, no, no, that's Graham that lives in the cupboard. And it was like, yeah, yeah, whatever, kids and their imaginations. But when we came home, the bum pinching carried on. And my mum thought it was my dad for ages. Until one day she was in the kitchen on her own and she felt something pinch her bum. And she was like, oh, turned around, there's nobody there. So we had Graham, the bum pinching ghost, for years at home. And uh, then one night another couple came round and they came over for dinner and uh, at the end of the evening, the lady of the other couple wanted to know what LP was playing on the stereo. So she's leaning over trying to look at what's on the, the record player. 
and all of a sudden she stands bolt upright and goes, oh, that really hurt, and starts having a go at her husband, who's about ten feet away in the kitchen with the rest of us. <laughs> and we know that it's not him, but she was adamant it was, and they went off, and it, we never had the problem again. So presumably out there somewhere, there is a ghost that is searching, still searching for the perfect bottom to pinch for eternity. <laughs> So, so, like, how do you explain that to a house guest, then? You just have this this saucy, bum-pinching ghost just kind of lurking around. I think you have to be fairly select on who you tell. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the people that aren't going to believe you either way, you just got to leave them to it and let them believe whatever they're going to believe. But, uh, yeah, fortunately, that was when I was quite young and it sort of moved on. And I think my mum checked up with her friend a little while later and she was like, oh, yeah, my husband carried on doing that for a couple of months until we had so-and-so round. And then she left and it never happened again. So it's obviously still still moving on. So uh, what about you, Lil? What, was, what would you say would be like one of your moments that brought, that really captivated you in the paranormal? Oh, that would be one of my childhood homes. Um, I actually lived in two childhood homes prior to this that I was certain as a child was haunted, but nothing really profound ever happened to sort of, you know, give me that moment. But this house, we used to hear stuff quite a lot. We'd hear sort of crockery clinking in the kitchen when we knew that nobody was downstairs. And we'd smell like freshly cooked mackerel or kippers, that kind of fishy smell, but like a nice cooked foodie fishy smell. And it would just appear in a little bubble out of nowhere and then vanish. And there was never any cause for it. Sometimes we'd smell um, like lit matches as well, the smell when you snuff out a candle or something like that. But then one night um, I was lying in my bedroom and I saw a figure looking over at me leaning over the bed and looking at me and at the time I had no way of really describing it because it wasn't a figure it was the shape of a figure but it was made up of well I know now to describe it as like tv static but only in recent years have I sort of come across other people that have seen this phenomena so at the time I just I couldn't describe it let alone explain what it was but the figure was made up of sort of I almost want to say particles um, but the the closest thing I can get to is that static that you used to get on the old fashioned TVs, um, and I I'm not I I can't remember whether I was just terrified or completely perplexed. I was quite young, um, but there was just no denying it after that point. I'd always had inklings and feelings, but that was in your face. It was well, it was right like literally <laughs> literally right in my face, and yeah. After that point, there was just there was no turning back for me yeah and well if you remember right static person was my first uh, paranormal encounter as well i do yeah and i was so yours was the first sort of other story that described it that made so much sense to me um and everything sort of clicked into place because i'd really never heard of this tv static figure phenomenon before it just blew my mind yeah i'd never heard of it either uh since then we've done a video on it and we've had a good deal of people come forward saying that yeah they've seen these as well yeah like of all of the, i think we've done almost a hundred videos on our youtube channel where we're profiling these different phenomenons and these cryptids and these entities that we've seen and after we did that the video on static people it's it's the only video where people are going oh my god i saw these things too i thought i was crazy i thought i was the only one i like, know I right this. 
Yeah, I posted this on Reddit a few days ago. If anybody had seen one of these, because we're thinking about doing another video on these and delving even deeper because of what we've been finding. And it was the same thing. I, it blew up to like 50 likes on Reddit and just almost 50 comments of people screaming how much that they that they thought they were the only ones seeing something like this. That is so cool. I mean, I love the first video. I, I hope you do do another one and really dig into it. I can't wait for that to come out because it is so fascinating. And yeah, like you, I can't believe there's that many people that we just never knew were all seeing this weird phenomenon. And truthfully, if it wasn't for that interview we had with you and me finding out there was someone else who had seen this, we would never would have done that video on static people. No, same here. I just, like I say, I'd, I'd never heard of it before. And actually, you were the ones that kind of explained to me what I experienced in a way. Because as a small child, when you can't explain something and put into words what you've seen, it's so hard to relate that to, to somebody else. So you kind of gave me a tool <laughs> to explain it. <laughs> and, that, and that's one of the things that I just, I love doing in the paranormal is I love having these shared common experiences or these shared common stories because it's it's just one of my favorite things because it's it's something that different cultures and different people can share to each other. It's like we all have something different, but at the same time, we all have the same similar things. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the reasons we started the show in the first place, isn't it? Just to give people a platform like a, a safe space to share these stories um one thing that we've come across recently that's just again it's completely blown my mind is an experience that fitz has with hearing the electricity oh yeah it's like it's almost like tinnitus but whenever there's sort of something electrical that's on nearby i can hear a sort of high-pitched whine in my ears and you also get that as a sort of a precursor to something paranormal happening in your experience as well yeah and when sometimes. we talked about it on the show there were so many other people again that came forward and, and said i've had that as part of my paranormal experience is it like an accompaniment to something weird going mm. down and that just blew my mind again because I was like, "Help! There's there's so many of them." <laughs> yeah, uh, I I, rem I remember the first time I read something about that kind of a phenomenon. I think we were that was way back. I mean, I was I didn't want, I want to say that was video one. We were we yeah, were. So you're talking about like humming associated with um with shadow, shadow people. people? Yeah, that mm. when we were doing that or go or ghost that sometimes some people will hear that sound the crackling yeah, sound. Yeah, as a as a precursor to seeing them or seeing these kind of entities and stuff. Oh, I'm gonna have to go back and watch that one. Yeah, mine's not, oh, not oh, a crackling, oh, a it's just sort of a really high pitch whine. It's almost like when you go out somewhere really, really loud and then you go somewhere quiet and you've got that sort of ringing left in your ears. Um and it tends to be Either when there's something electronic on, it's quite interesting because sometimes I can tell when somebody's flicked the plug to a television or something and it goes off because it all goes quiet. But if I'm somewhere where it's sort of there's sort of paranormal stuff potentially going on, I tend to find that the hackles go up on like, the back of my neck and the hair rises up on my arms and I get that I get a sort of pressure on my head and that tingling and that tends to give me a good idea that something weird's going to happen. And it's interesting when we're both in the same location as well because I don't experience it like that at all but there'll be other things that kind of tip me off to you know I experience it in my own way so it's interesting to kind of compare those experiences and they, they seem to tally. Um, something that uh, I remember you guys talking about that in your guys's blog. I remember uh, you guys were talking about you guys were investigating this church mm. uh, there where you guys were investigating like this, this goat, this famous photograph of a ghost. Uh, of, Woodford, like, this Woodford, yeah. 
Hmm? Woodford Church, yeah, that was a, yeah, that's yeah, a yeah, really interesting one. Yeah, which uh, I absolutely got to say, I love your guys' blog. Oh. I'm I'm not I'm me personally. I like to multitask, so I love to listen to to a lot to a lot of like podcasts and content because it allows me to multitask. But today. Uh, when I was at work, I was like, I'm so bored. I need something to do. <laughs> so, like, look at your guys' website. And I'm like, oh, that's right. They have a blog on there. And I'm reading all of your guys' blogs that are on there. And I'm so drawn into it, reading about that, that apparently I didn't hear this overhead page at our work that they were working on the lighting fixtures <laughs> at our work. <laughs> so all day long at the psychiatric hospital that me and Vic work at, I think I'm having this insane paranormal experience with lights <laughs> flickering on and off, and I'm the only one seeing this. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, so Turned funny. out I have to stop paying attention <laughs> at work enough. And then oh. I started thinking, like, oh, oh, yeah. So I want to thank you guys, by the way, for that amazing content and that amazing experience for me at work today. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, well, I apologize for scaring, you know, scaring you to death at work. <laughs> Because I remember you guys were talking about having that sort of experience when you guys were uh, when you guys were at Woodford Church and you guys were looking around at like at the altar and stuff like that. I remember I think it was by the doors you guys were having that experience. Yeah, it was weird. There was like a, it was almost like there was a well trodden path there that somebody was still treading, and we could mm. kind of feel it. It was very strange. Um, have you, I don't know whether you've seen the original photograph, but it's a really interesting one. Yeah, uh, I, I did. I was I was I, I spent a lot of time. I had a lot of. A lot of downtime my, my employer did not want me to have today at work. I'm just going to, I don't know how much of them listen to this at work. But anyway, like where I was, where I was reading that and it was, it was so cool. It was, uh, it was that photograph that they took and it was like this apparition of this knight mm. or some people thought it was a monk or something, what it was. And nobody can debunk this, this apparition uh, kneeling at this altar. Like people have tried to say like this is like, it might be like a double negative or it could just be added later and things like that. And people just haven't been able to do that. And I love those older photographs as well, because that one's from the 60s. It's so difficult these days whenever you get any kind of possibly paranormal photograph, because everybody's immediate reaction is, well, it's photoshopped. But, you know, back in the 60s, when this photo's from, it just wasn't that easy. Um, and it had, it, it had been investigated by, I think, the film company anyway. But when you think back to the technology they had then, it just, yeah, you could do a double exposure, but that would be quite easily, you know, people, mm. it's usually obvious, you can kind of tell. And they're just, you couldn't just run it through Photoshop. So those to me are so much more fascinating. Okay, I was listening to your guys' podcast, and I have a bit of obsession with uh, Bargus and uh, things like that. <laughs> and there was something on there that you guys were talking about like a something trash and i had never heard that expression used for like a big black dog and i remember you guys were trying to figure out uh, if you're even pronouncing it right do you guys ever figure that out oh, that i vaguely remember it because to us they're more regularly known as like black shark yeah. and yeah. that mm -hmm. sort of thing and i do remember yeah i remember it but i don't think we did ever figure out if we'd pronounced it correctly because <laughs> yeah generally speaking it's the big black dogs over here is known as the as the black shark that or devil dogs yeah they're, they're quite commonly called devil dogs i know a lot of the old stories go back to uh england like, do you know, is that the original, the origination of that uh, folklore? Well, the Black Shuck. Mm, it wouldn't question. surprise me if it was Scandinavian either. Yes, that's a good point, actually. They have a, I think I, they're called Vargs there. 
Possibly, because I mean, you've got to remember that with sort of the UK, we've had so many invasions. Yeah, it could and... have come with the Romans, it could have come with the Saxons, it could have come with the Vikings, it could have come with the Normans. We're a melting pot. <laughs> yeah, I, like so much of our language and culture is just a giant mishmash of everything else. Um, even sort of down to different regions of the UK, like the East Coast tends to be more, well, the East Coast and Scotland tends to be more Scandinavian. Obviously, Wales is more old British. Mm. Um, the South is sort of more Norman. And I'm trying to think of the earliest Black Shuck reference I can think of, and I'm thinking it might have been the 12th or 13th century, so looking at not long after the Normans, maybe. Yeah, I can't remember. No. Do you guys still get a lot of black shuck encounters and reports uh, in England? Well, funnily enough, I didn't think we did anymore until we interviewed an author recently called Ruth Roper Wilde, who's written The Roadmap of British Ghosts. I think it was in that one. Um, she's written a couple of books. The other one's The Almanac of British Ghosts. But she actually came across a modern day black shuck sighting and that just blew me away i couldn't you know i I really thought that this was a beast of legend Mm -hmm. and you know all the big cat or black dog sightings now will probably escape zoo animals but no they're still happening apparently you get them with not like incredible frequency but surprising frequency here in america they're actually one of my favorite things to investigate okay and is that in a particular... Do you get them in cities or is this mainly in rural areas? Rural areas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah actually, here. we have a lot of uh, dog people, probably, like in the Midwest specifically, too. I know we're very popular for not only for those, but we also get to, to straight dogmen or werewolf sightings, too, at the same time. Yeah. I feel like you have a much wider array of sort of beasts and monsters and cryptids and much much broader than we have in the UK. Oh, yeah, the Midwest has tons, tons and tons of cryptids. But you, you guys do get those big black cats, though, right? We do. Um, recently, uh, I, I had to uh, leave for a while and go back to my hometown to take care of my mom while she was ill. And while I was there, of course, I was collecting stories because there's the town I'm from. It's so small. There's one kind of gas station slash grocery store, and it's also our only restaurant. <laughs> So everyone goes there to eat. Like Fancy. it's so small. When I went to visit up there with him, he took me to both restaurants in town. Oh wow, you're honored. <laughs> but um, so while I'm there, I'm collecting any stories since you know people there know me and they know I'm into some of the kind of odd stuff. Mm-hmm. I start collecting stories of just things that people have encountered, and out of all the weird stories that there are from my little hometown, I had never known that there's a tradition of big black cat sightings. Really? Oh, oh yeah. I, I really want to go up there and do like kind of a documentary thing on it and stuff. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, I'd watch that. You know, and it, and it's really weird when you talk to like some of the like the the park rangers or wildlife oh, yeah. people here because they'll just be like, "Oh yeah, they're out there." Yeah, I've talked to park <laughs> rangers in Bloomington who are like, "Yeah, there's definitely some sort of big panther thing out there. We don't see them often, but occasionally we'll see them." Yeah, but if you look on Wikipedia or somewhere else, they'll say they don't exist here, but everybody agrees they do. <laughs> Yeah, and I think it's because, and a lot of the times in in the states, you've got the room for them. You know, we just don't oh, have yeah. that here. Almost everywhere is urban now, or at least not far from being urban. So we we just don't have as many wild animals left. Whereas you've got you know mountain lions and stuff at a lot of your national parks. You know, we the only place we'd see something like that is at a zoo. Yeah, especially here in southern Indiana, we have tons and tons of forest and swamp. 
Like, just lots of it. We have so much space. I didn't realize that there was a massive swamp in the middle of our town. Like, <laughs> like one day I accidentally, like, Vic was like, you know, hey, Marcus, do you want to go to the wetlands here? And I'm like, the wetlands? I don't know what that is. Which is apparently a fancy American way of saying swamp. <laughs> <laughs> I was tricked. I did not know. Yeah, so in the middle of our town, there is one of my favorite places to go. It's called the Howe Wetlands Preserve. So you just drive through town, and in the middle of these blocks of city, there's this fenced-off area where there's just this really nice wetlands you can go and walk through. Oh, that sounds cool. It's one of those little gyms you have here in Evansville. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 but you also say that then it's, like, possibly full of, like, poisonous snakes or... Okay, yeah, black that's bats. not so good. <laughs> Marcus has no survival skills I don't. at all. Me, on the <laughs> other hand, I love the woods. So almost every time we go out there, um, I'll notice like a snake just barely peeking up over the water. And I'll just look down the water and go, hey, Marcus, you see that stick there? And he'll he'll get down and start looking around. I'm like, no, that one there. He'll keep looking until he's about an inch away from it and realize, oh, that's a snake. <laughs> Well, see, I love the woods too, but it's a bit different over here because the, the most dangerous thing you're going to find in our woods is a particularly annoyed squirrel. <laughs> oh goodness oh, yeah we, we don't have too many dangerous animals around here and there's like a handful of poison snakes but they're really 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 rare it's still a handful more than we've got <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but i think you guys are right i think that's why that create at least here in the states that's why it creates this like just this giant encyclopedia of different cryptids and monsters that you'll and phenomena that you'll just see out here just because we have so much space oh but it's awesome though i mean one of the biggest things on the top of our bucket list is to get out to the states again and do a road trip and just check out all these areas and i, I kind of i even love the fact that you know in some places you guys have merch for your monsters i just think that's amazing oh yeah it's 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 very quite common here actually in the states where you will see actually almost every cryptid we have the hometown that it's from will have a festival regarding that i love that i wish we had that here i wish we had like a hairy hands of dartmoor t-shirt that you could get i just i think i'd get it i, I think it would be great what was it like i think the the most last uh, episode of our podcast we did we did the van meter monster which is this like pterodactyl cr creature with a light shining from its head oh, oh wow and, yeah and that was seen in like iowa in like 1903 and the town has a festival every year to celebrate it that's or like the Busco Beast in Northern Indiana. Yeah. It's just a giant snapping turtle, and they have a celebration for it yeah. each year. Or the Hodak Festival. Yep. Even even animals we know are fake. Even monsters <laughs> that we know are hoaxes. A monster that a guy claimed he got a bunch of bear wrestlers together to chloroform <laughs> it and throw dynamite at it like we know is not real. And they'll still throw a we'll we'll Americans, we have any reason to throw a party, we will absolutely do it. Oh, and, and I applaud that. I feel like we're will. missing out. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you come through Indiana on this road trip, man, you guys, you guys have to stop. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> some places. Yeah, we'll take you to see some pretty cool places. That would be awesome. Yep, we'll take you up on that. Um, so, uh, I would love to know, uh, so what... Um, what what have you guys been kind of like working on recently? Like, what what's some of your guys' like upcoming projects that you guys are wanting to do? Well, we're kind of making the move into investigation now. We mm -hmm. we kind of got the but I and I went on an investigation a little while ago with um, another local team, and I found it quite fascinating. And Lil was kind of 
50-50. She's a little bit on the fence. She's, you know, it's late at night and I'd be tired and cold and where's the loo? And I'm not really that interested. <laughs> and I'm then, so excited. <laughs> and then Don't feel bad. we managed to arrange to go on an investigation. Well, we we went on one of these sort of haunting nights ones, or public yeah. night. One of these events companies ones. And it was, you know, it was kind of interesting. But once she got her hands on some of the kit and started <laughs> playing around with it, it was like, oh, you know, this is quite interesting. I like this. And we we got, you know, a few results out of it and enough to pique her interest. And now it's like, when can we go investigating again? <laughs> I got the bug. <laughs> to be fair, when we started doing the podcast, we did talk about, oh, you know, would we ever want to do investigations? And I was firmly like, no, that's not the point of the podcast. The whole point of doing the paranormal postcards and, you know, we go and visit these locations in the day because we've always we've both always maintained that we see more ghosts during the day than at night you don't have to skulk around a building in the dark and I was firmly like nope not doing investigations no point can't see the point but as soon as I went on one (laughs) then it was completely different I just absolutely got bitten by the bug and I can't wait to go on another one now that you you're itching for the investigations what sort of areas are you either love to uh, investigate or look forward to investigating Well, we've kind of, we're starting from scratch, really, because believe it or not, I'm a bit of a skeptic. And a lot of the sort of traditional things that are done on these paranormal investigations, I find not necessarily that they don't work, but just I don't necessarily understand how they work or it doesn't really make sense to me. So I'm kind of starting from basics. I think one of the examples I use at the moment is like the spirit boxes where they scan through radio frequencies. And I'm kind of down with the idea that it's possible that whatever it is we're looking into can communicate through radio. Like I'll I'll take that as a premise. But if that's the case, why on earth does skipping through all the channels make it easier for them to communicate? It almost seems like trying to jump onto a moving train to me. So we've started experimenting by just tuning a radio to static, sort of in between radio stations, and asking questions like that and we've actually started getting some interesting responses from that i mean a lot of the um kind of our focus is on the audio because we're so audio based you know we've got all the kit for audio we've got the audio editing software because the other thing that fascinates us is evps specifically we've been we haven't actually got that many of our own unfortunately but we've been sent some by our listeners and some of them when you've actually got them into the audio editing software they look a bit wrong <laughs> like they don't kind of fall in where you'd you'd sort of imagine normal speech to fall i'm yeah, not they, explaining it very you, well you can hear some like it's not always the case but mm. there's a few of them we've got where it's clearly speech mm. but it falls outside of the range of a human voice um frequency wise so you're kind of like hmm you know this is definitely quite strange or it will fall you know sort of almost outside what the human can hear so yeah it's it's definitely interesting because it it really doesn't i'm not ruling out that somebody could potentially do it somehow but it it does seem very strange that it doesn't seem to fit in the normal range of human speech i'm a total paranormal plebeian um like i was on a investigation with um this is about a few weeks ago with uh ricky we've had on the channel before and uh the team from two girls and a ghost Mm-hmm. And they're pulling out like just boxes and crates and crates of equipment, <laughs> and they're like, "What? what where, where's your stuff?" And I just pull out a, a leather-bound journal. <laughs> like, 
Here's all I need. I'm going to wander around till I see something with my eyes. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. And to be honest, that's what we've done for, I mean, for years. Because mm-hmm. when I say we've only just started paranormal investigating, I, I guess, you know, we haven't really. What we've started doing recently is what you think of as classic paranormal investigating and skulking around in the dark with a torch, like I said I'd never do. But really, we've been investigating all the locations we've been to for the show and before that, just before, you know, just for our own enjoyment. And we've investigated those in our own way. Mm. And but, it seems like there's such a sort of reliance on kit now that, and we we don't necessarily know that this stuff is doing what we think it's doing. No. Uh, and take it to extremes, you go to the sort of TV shows and they've got an EMF meter and they're like, oh, no, it's definitely a ghost. You know, it's like... Well, it could be well, a it's phone. De- <laughs> it, it's definitely sort of electro- electromagnetic fluctuation, but you haven't said that it's caused by a ghost or it causes ghosts or it's just interference from something or other i'll never forget when one of the very first investigations that uh me and vic went on where we were bringing uh other people along and they had equipment i remember someone me handing me one of those things and i said oh cool what's this do they said oh it picks up energy and i said what kind of energy and they didn't know how to answer the question (laughs) 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 they were were like oh i've never had something to get this conversation before Oh, no. like, like they seem surprised when I like like ghost energy just, like just I, energy energy called? like it's yeah. ectoplasm that's what it's picking up that's it I'm not you know I'm not saying you shouldn't use them I'm just saying right. you know it, if you rely too much on that to say you know the light's gone up to red that means it's a ghost it's like well yeah, not necessarily. Actually, one of our favourite bits of equipment, if you can call it equipment, is these toy cat balls mm, we've got. They're brilliant. They're so good. They're basically just these little rubber balls and they've got a motion detector and a light inside. They cost like two quid each. So, you know, in our actual budget, <laughs> such as it is. And um, what we like to do is just place them around sort of um, the corners of the room and then if something moves they go off now to me that's much better evidence because something physically had to move it so you have to rule out drafts obviously or people moving around but I just think it's a much more solid tool plus it's like a fraction of the price of any mm. ghost hunting equipment and when it goes off we're not saying ah it's definitely a ghost you're saying something some movement occurred over there and that can help you sort of tie down where to sort of investigate further I really like how you guys, uh, some of the stuff that you guys are talking about, you're talking about like these balls or the EVP session with the audio. It's it's like you need that, that equipment is cool, but it's, if you can have something you can like see or hear or touch or smell, it like it makes, it gives you that more of a, a belief something is there. When I look at a paranormal team, I kind of look at like the Avengers that you, you <laughs> need the different people. Like you need the Iron Man who has all the equipment, but you also need, you know, like, the guy who's just walking around, just making sure they're looking at stuff, examining stuff, like, documenting things. I, I, I'm i all about having a little bit of everybody, because I you're going to get the best results that way. Definitely, like, but I think... method works. But I think you're really right in um, observing being one of the, your best tools. Like, your best tools mm-hmm. is yourself. And my favorite example of that was actually the first um, ghost hunt we ever went on, and it was one of these public event ones. Um, and it was, yeah, some of it was very sigh-worthy, to be honest. And they, the group were all doing, like, table tipping and spirit boards. And at one point in the evening, really near the end of the night, everybody in the group was clustered around this spirit board and the glass was flying all over the table. It was making a hell of a racket. 
Fitz and I were stood at the back of the room, away from everybody else, looking completely the opposite direction. <laughs> but we saw something, and yeah, that was we, the point. We kept seeing like this little sort of whitish figure peeking, peeking around, around the, the corner of the door. So, you know, while all those guys' focus was just completely on this ex- the spirit board and the table tipping and all these magical experiments that they were doing, we were seeing the ghost because we were looking the other way. <laughs> I know. When everyone's looking left, that might that means it might be a good time to look right. Absolutely. Exactly. It was almost like it was sort of, what on earth is the racket going yeah. on in here? I'm just going to have a quick look. And there we were. Um, so something that I see a lot of, um, I would say younger or, or maybe less experienced paranormal investigators do, is they will go out, they will have some of these experiences, they'll investigate something, and they'll have some of these intense experiences that that really I think negatively affect them because they're, they're they weren't expecting to have something like that. I think it's important in a in a paranormal investigation to have something you do afterwards to decompress, to kind of ground you, bring you back a little bit. I know for me and uh, Vic, one of the things that we used to do all the time was we would go to Denny's or we would stop somewhere. And, you know, either smoke a cigarette or just, just relax for a little bit. Is there anything you guys like to do in order to, to decompress? We get McDonald's after- afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've ever been on an investigation and not got McDonald's afterwards because food is a really good way of grounding yourself, for sure. And they are pretty much the only thing open at, like, four, 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. But, yeah, no, you're totally right. And I think you do have to... It's really easy, especially if there's a big group of you and you're all sort of inexperienced or maybe feeling a bit vulnerable. It can be so easy to get caught up in the moment and really let it play on your mind. So if you go on your own and you're a little bit impressionable and then you take all that away from you and just kind of sit on it and chew on it, it could really affect you in quite a negative way. I mean, we're lucky because we've got each other. So obviously, as soon as we get home from an investigation, we're just talking it through and getting it all out. And then with the podcast as well, we're kind of writing about it and really sort of sifting through it and picking through it. Um, you know, Fitz is not as woo as me. I like to do my <laughs> bit of yoga as well and all my little breathing exercises. So I do that too. But I think just the fact of talking it through with somebody can really help that yeah, process. Yeah, I have to do like some sort of like a like a hype pep talk. Like most people don't know this. Like right before I walk in my house, I look crazy standing in my backyard, going, "All right, any ghosts, entities? I don't care what. You're not welcome in my house." I'm I'm fairly positive the lady behind that lives behind me thinks I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Are you totally convinced she's wrong? <laughs> I'm just saying you need to lay some important healthy boundaries when you paranormal investigate. That's important. You um, do, and I, I never hear Fitz complaining when I cleanse the house. <laughs> yeah, see, I don't necessarily feel the need to do that myself, and yet the doors have been anointed in oil, and we've. There <laughs> you was never one, know, man. There was one you point never know. When we had some really weird active stuff coming on mm. at the house, and um, Lil had sort of done various burning <laughs> things and anointing things and what have you, 
and I just remember there was one night I was sat at my computer and she was about to go to bed and she goes right if anything happens the anointed candles are here and you just need to put them up here and here and blah 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 and don't forget to turn them out before you go to bed it's just like you've got your emergency sort of ghost repellent response <laughs> kit ready to go it's brilliant ghost away <laughs> I mean hell I do the same thing each year when I do my spring cleaning it's like okay the cleaning's done time to uh, take the oil to the doors burn some stuff you exactly. know just make sure everything's, everything's safe yeah. <laughs> see not just me <laughs> going back to the avengers analogy i like to assign i'm like nick fear i like to assign roles to people like okay Vic, you are on constant 24-hour decurse i don't care what you want to do <laughs> you're decursing you he know. is terrified of being cursed i got terrified a, we got a, another friend of ours named colt i'm like you are on standby 24 7 in case i feel like i'm about to be abducted by some sort of cult and <laughs> uh, People think I'm kidding. <laughs> no, no, Fitz will quite often ones. nip out the front of the house with his binoculars and go, is it aliens? Is it aliens? <laughs> Occasionally there's a particularly twinkly star that You get a bit excited, yeah. don't you? <laughs> well, when, uh, when we were driving up on an investigation, unfortunately Marcus was able to be with us and... Um, we're driving through at night, and the person driving hasn't realized we've driven up into the mountains. And they're seeing, like, these rows of light in the sky, not realizing that's just people living on the peaks of the mountains. Because they didn't realize how far we had gone along. And it was about the coolest thing, because at first we're like, what? what is that? It's just a bunch of lights, and they seem to be moving a line. And I'm like, oh, wait, are we up in the mountains now? <laughs> None of us had realized how high up we had gone yet. Oh, that must have been so disappointing. I, I, it's one of those things where when I saw them, I'm like, they look like house lights, but they also look like they're way up in the sky. <laughs> yeah, and I've seen some weird stuff in the sky before. We don't tend to talk about it on our show. We generally sort of focused on ghosts and folklore and stuff. But yeah, I've seen a couple of weird sort Do of lights have, in the sky things. We had a, a weird light over where we live um, not long after we moved in here, didn't we? Because I remember you weren't at the house, but you called me and we both like, kind of ran out to look at it. And it was weird like red triangular shaped thing and I, we still don't know what it was yeah and there was another one i saw that was like a ring of sort of five or six red lights that sort of was just spinning and it just floated over the house and then over the fields out the back and it was really strange never seen it before or, or since but it was really weird any other uh ufo encounters you want to share with us uh there was, was one, one but i've out. never had one there's one that there were lights that were sort of almost like they were on a swing they'd sort of go down and then up in a big arc and then down and then up again you remember when we had that really hot summer and we'd borrowed dad's convertible oh yeah and we we were so hot because we didn't have yeah we don't have any air con or anything here and we were just like okay we're going to take the top down on the convertible it was about i don't know 11 o'clock at night or something and we're just going to drive up and down country lanes just to try and cool down a bit and uh, yeah, we we saw these lights that were just it it wasn't sort of moving like you would expect. You know, I think a plane probably could make that manoeuvre, mm, but but why would it? Yeah, you know, unless it, it was doing an air show. But this is it. It, it was that it was quite late. It was sort of eleven, twelve at night, and it was doing what I would consider aerobatics, mm. just sort of out in the countryside. It was very strange. I've never had a proper UFO encounter, but uh, one night uh, when I was young, I was sitting on uh, one of the uh, piers on the Ohio River, and I'm just looking up at the sky, and I see this thing. It looks like a flash of blue light, 
and then it moves, creating a line across the sky, oh. just kind of a short one, and then the whole thing faded away. And that's the only, that's the closest to a UFO encounter I've ever had, and well, I don't sim- even think I'd count that. No, well, I would, because um, the, the first thing I ever saw, which I would consider, I think, to be a UFO encounter before, long before I met Fitz, was, um, again, it was just like a big light in it was a star kind of light in the sky and i thought it was a star but all of a sudden it moved so fast across to like from right to left and then it kind of grew bigger and then it just disappeared in on itself and i would think it was some kind of star type thing if it hadn't done that swift movement and just shot from one side to the other and you know left a line across the sky and yeah i don't know what that was but it sounds almost a bit similar yeah this kind of brings up a point that i sort of want to bring into the the ghost arena as well mm-hmm. like you're saying you know i don't know if i've had a ufo encounter i'm like well you have because you just described it when you talk about a ufo you've seen something in the sky that you can't explain it's mm-hmm. a ufo that doesn't mean you've said i definitely saw an alien spaceship you just saw something that you can't explain and i think we kind of need some of that in the ghost arena as well we, we call stuff ghosts but you know, you talk to different people and some of them are like, well, the ghosts are different from spirits and this is different from that and there's demons and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, hmm, I don't I don't know any of that. I think I've seen something really weird and I think we kind of almost need a UFO term for things that we label as ghosts. I would, I would tend to agree. I think for a lot of people, they, for most people, like outside, I would say like the paranormal community, like they, they tend to play like in their but their sandbox, I would call it, like, of their terms of what they would call. Like, if you ask anybody anything here in the Midwest, what do you think you saw? Like, 95% of people's going to go, you know, show me demon. Like, you know, <laughs> what they're going to say, you know, and then they're throwing a holy water, like, in the sky or something. Like, like it's going to work. I don't know. Like, I think, we, I think people should more often take more of a kind of an existential approach to it. Instead of saying, like, I saw a ghost, just focus on the experience and break down the experience. Yeah. What was, what exactly, yeah. what did you see? What were the steps that, uh, that went through after that? And just kind of document it in your mind like that. And I always try to take a very existential pr- approach when it comes to the paranormal. Well, I think when you do that, you also get, like, these, these descriptions, like, these descriptions of the different aspects of the event. And it helps you to tie them to other events because mm-hmm. you can see what's similar and what's different to make to see what's what's different about them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think that's so far. I think that's that's pretty good. I think. Uh, is there anything else that you guys want to do for for um, for the podcast uh, for this part of the episode before we wrapped up? I think we're good. I don't know. It depends if there's anything else you want to know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I got I got a big question that I want to ask. Like, but I really want to wait till we get to the Patreon episode because oh, I remember uh, in the middle of this episode I accidentally asked what we were going to ask in the, for the Patreon episode. <laughs> I know but I came up with something I think that's better. Well, not better, but like I, something else that I think would be cool to ask because I love talking about this. But first, let me tell you, it's been a great. We've had a great time interviewing you. This has been a freaking blast. Absol- absolutely, um, you know, all of our listeners, you know, if you want, you know, knock once for us is on, uh, you know, anywhere that you uh, get your paranormal content at any kind of platform. You guys are on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and all that stuff. Yeah, I, we're, I we're pretty like, much everywhere like, that you can find podcasts. I, I almost feel like Lily is like the english vic waitley we've, we've had so many like, <laughs> yeah. like very similar encounters in our past we have <laughs> it's kind of freaky right <laughs> <sighs> so domestic okay um 
but <laughs> I, I think I think that's I think that's good for this part of the episode because I really really want to get to this question for the uh, for the Patreon content. So again, <laughs> thank you guys so much for coming on uh, to the episode today and, and and talking with us so much. Oh, it's been um, really I, cool. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's been great. Absolutely. Um, so until next time, guys, keep believing. So keep listening. Okay. I have to I have to know. So here we were talking about UFO stories. Uh, and oftentimes in UFO stories, there's often reports of men in black showing up mm-hmm. and, and and trying to cover up these sorts of things. And you hear about that all across the United States. I would love to know, do you guys have similar accounts of that uh, in England? We I don't think we do, do we? I think like most things, there's been some reports of it, but I don't know whether but that's not just because it, though. yeah, I don't know whether that's because it happened in the states and people are copying it, or it's entered public consciousness. But yeah, not necessarily that people are copying it, but when you see something in a movie over and over again, like you say, it enters public consciousness, and then if you have an experience that feels a bit off to you, you could you're quite likely to assign something you've seen in a movie to explain it. But historically, I don't think we've got any i can't think of anything that's i think like the many closest black. we've possibly had is more it tends to be more like military mm. coming to say you know you didn't see anything you know but more, you know, traditional british military as opposed to men in black style and i think um those cases they're not really sort of <laughs> We'll